Welcome to Untamed Intimacy, the show that helps you get to the core of what creates safety, love, connection, passion, and pleasure in your relationship. You'll learn how to resolve conflict, communicate authentically, and rekindle passion. So you can create untamed intimacy in your relationship. I'm Ani Manian. And I'm Lee Noto. We're the founders of Untamed Intimacy. And together, we serve couples all around the world to help them create the wildest love they have ever known. We believe that our relationships are the most powerful vehicles for growth, and our partners are our greatest teachers. If you're ready to create untamed intimacy in your relationship, then this is the podcast for you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. And you'll be notified as soon as we drop a juicy episode. And if you really love and receive value from this podcast, we'd like to ask two things. Please leave a five-star review and consider connecting with us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. And take a screenshot of your favorite episodes and share them in your stories so others can find this content too. And if you'd like to be coached live on air or have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, visit us at untamedintimacylive.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Untamed Intimacy. I am so excited for this conversation today. Um, I just met Shay maybe last week at MSW Lounge here in Austin, Texas, and we immediately got to talking about Shay's work and how he's serving the world. And I knew that this would be such a timely conversation for us to have right now. So I'm going to give the formal introduction uh, before we hop into the juicy details. Um, So Shay is a transformational coach, primarily focusing on helping men get out of their heads and into their heart. He has an extensive list of mental and emotional health speaking engagements ranging from South by Southwest to drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers. He's also the creator of ATX Sprint Squad, which is a community of over 150 people of all fitness levels that meets every Saturday to move their bodies and connect at Zilker Park. He was awarded a Lululemon ambassadorship based on his intentional efforts to build community here in Austin. And seven years ago, he actually decided to get sober. And since then, his calling in life has transpired into so much more than simply staying sober. The touchstone of his work is to help others relieve stress and reclaim their innate sense of guidance by using various modalities such as meditation, mindfulness, vulnerability, and fitness to remind them how powerful they truly are. Some fun facts about him, which I actually really enjoyed learning about him when we first met, is that he was raised in Montana, first person I've ever met who hailed from that part of the country. And he became a pro rollerblader with tricks and ramps, and it's actually used to be a huge part of his life. He's newly vegan, two months, sounds like he's going strong and loving it, and he can jam. House and dance music are one of his top passions, and it truly brings him joy. Um, So aside from being out and about in Austin and blasting his music, he really loves creating a community by bringing people together and introducing people to each other. And in fact, it is a part of his DNA as a connector. So without further ado, 
I am so happy, Shay, to have you here on the show today. How are you? Hmm. I'm so happy to be here too. And I just feel really honored at the opportunity. And it's just so magical how these things come about. It's like, who would have thought that I would have met you and your, your partner at MSW and had such a, a, an amazing conversation that led to this opportunity here. And, and who knows where this will lead of, of, you know, reaching people and adding value to other people's lives and inspiring them. So just knowing the potentiality behind this conversation um, just excites me. This is, this is what I live for. Hell yeah. Love it. Okay. So I like to get deep fast. I'm sure you're not much of a small talker either, as is the sense that I get. So what sparked my curiosity about you, the moment we met was that you said you're doing men's work. Tell me more about what that looks like. Okay. This is a multi-part question. What does that look like? And how did your heart get called to doing that work? Like what gap did you see existed either within yourself or in the larger environment that really knew this was a home for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like that old saying that when the student is ready, the the teacher will appear. And that was my experience. And before that one teacher um, appeared, I was in a, it's about last year. I was in a, uh, just a transition process of, of wanting something more than just, fitness and, and, and being a personal trainer, I, I really saw a lot of success in the fitness industry rather quickly. Um, I just really picked it up well and um, got great feedback and, and just intuitively built this business that uh, really served people with helping them change their uh, the aesthetic uh, parts of their body. And But there came a point where there was, there was two things happening simultaneously with this transition. It was a uh, there was a, a, a craving for my, my work to go deeper. And I'm just not sure exactly what that looked like at the time. I knew I wanted, it was either going to go back to school for some sort of therapeutic degree or, or yeah, I was entertaining getting certified as a, a life coach or, or maybe I could have a whole holistic approach to being a personal trainer. And, um, and then also the other part was a, of just yeah, feeling very unfulfilled. It was a very negative energy of just like, mm. uh, you know, because I used to just be on fire with fitness. I loved it, you know, and I couldn't imagine even doing anything else. And so once that passion and that excitement for fitness started to subside a little bit, it was a little scary and new for me. So I was I was listening to that calling. And, and so what started next was a uh, a curiosity about what my uh, this next chapter could look like, and, and I really sifted through a lot of different life coaching certification programs, and um, even getting my master's in, in counseling or social work or, or something. I knew I wanted to just continue serving people, and and I just nothing really stood out. Nothing mm-hmm. resonated. It didn't feel right. And then I came across a, a man named Zot Baraka who had a just a unique presence on Instagram and is, is much older than me. And I was uh, instantly just captivated by his message of, of just doing um, uh, divine masculine work with, with men. Mm-hmm. And, and it was uh, the, his language that he used was, was very spiritual. And that's what captured me is because I have a, you know, a predisposition to just be 
using that type of language. I, I didn't really relate to the life coach certifications that would use very financial language or entrepreneurship type language. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I ultimately um, signed up with him and uh, this offering that he had to, to work with him for six months. It was a small group uh, certification process to be a, a men's coach. Um, mm. And, and I, I just hit the ground running with that. I went all in and then got so much out of it and uh, graduated from that in uh, last fall. And, um, and then thus began the, the carving out this new chapter. And, and step one was completely leaving fitness and saying no to, you know, lots of money and lots of opportunities and starting from ground zero. And it was a very trying and uncomfortable time, but I just had this unshakable belief in myself that this is less than a career change. And it's more about me just following my intuition, following something's guiding me here. It's less about me being at the drawing board. Oh, how can I create this career that's more fulfilling? And it's more about a path that's revealing itself to me. Mm. And so since I've listened to that call, and followed the little synchronicities and breadcrumbs that have been provided for me, it is working out tenfold as expected. And I'm really excited to see where this is going to continue heading. Oh my God. That's so exciting. (laughs) And I acknowledge you that takes so much courage to leave what is familiar. I'm just the first image that came to mind was like the root chakra. Like you had the grounding, the stability, the financial predictability where you were, but the passion had fizzled out and you just kind of did a 180 and uprooted everything because there was a, a deep calling. This is the, epi- the um, not epiphany is not the right word. The, uh, the word will come to me, but this is the hero's journey. Epitome maybe, right? Epitome. Yes. yes. Great. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Epitome. Yeah. Hero's journey. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm so curious to hear now because for a a long while in my work around intimacy, I almost exclusively worked with men. And I got a lot of insight into the male mind, male desires, um, the things that were on the hearts of men, the, the fears of men. And I learned to have so much compassion for the modern day man and what he experiences because, you know, at least in the last few years, there hasn't been a lot of space, in my opinion, for men to share what's on their hearts because there has, you know, there was a a grave imbalance, obviously. And so women really needed a space to talk about their experience. So along this journey, as you decided to say yes to the certification program, what were some of your biggest challenges and learnings as a man coming more into his divine masculine and then choosing to teach men about how to do this? Yeah, yeah, great question. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I didn't realize how much of a a double whammy, so to speak, this would be (laughs) of, of like, wow, I have to really practice what I preach and I can't take a man further than I've gone myself mm-hmm. and, and I'm all for it, but it has been asking a lot of me and, and I wouldn't have it any other way because, um, you know, when I got sober that I, I signed up for 
this this path of, of just waking up and, and healing and, and, and doing this deeper work, shadow work, and, and um, just, just really breaking free from a lot of my own you know patterns that, that caused me suffering and, and learn to live in more integrity with myself and, and then to take a step further and learn how to show others the way. And, and so that was kind of like, whoa, okay. Um, but there's, yeah, this feeling of like, I'm on the right path has like carried me through that intensity. Mm. Second thing that comes to mind is I, I think seeing my own beliefs, my own limiting beliefs start to, so this is kind of like uh, one of the same of what I just shared, but to take it a step further and to examine it a bit more is, is, is just, you know, I'll, my, my desire to be liked, that that is a place within me that is just so strong and just like hardwired into me is I just really want you to like me. Yeah. And I will do anything to get people to like me. Mm. Um, this is the wounded part talking, right? And um, I mean, this, this traces back all the way to, to childhood and then, um, you know, needing more love from my, my parents. And, and, and when I got into middle school, I'll never forget kind of this. There was a shifting that happened into seeing the, the, the power behind attention from women. Mm. Self-esteem it gave me. And I just quickly just like went all in. I mean, I went full Abercrombie, like... <laughs> frosted tips, white shorts with cargo pockets and like little backstreet boy and just learned to be very charismatic. I was a nice, I, but I was also like trying to fool around with you too. I wasn't like the nice guy that's like never getting any action. I was like, so I learned how to kind of speak to women in a way that captures them yeah. and builds rapport with them quickly. Um, and and I've, I've come to realize, you know, because in my early twenties, what this looked like was being manipulative, a game player, uh, tons of promiscuous partners, just a complete lack of consciousness and regards for others, others emotions. And, and so that caused a lot of pain in others and, and just me, you know, pain in me, not even really knowing it at the time, but, you know, continuing to, to binge drink and use drugs and party hard. And so when I got sober, it was, you know, it's more than just abstaining from drugs and alcohol. It was me for the first time taking a look at some of these behaviors. And I know I'm going off on a little tangent, but I think no, it's relevant. this is perfect. Keep yeah, going. it's relevant to, to our conversation. Um, and, and, and so waking up to this part of me that just really needs people to like me, specifically women, like I need attention and validation for me to feel okay. And, and so becoming more aware of this place has been so challenging and, and breaking free from it has, um, it's still a work in progress, but I've come to a place now of, of awareness around it. And so mm. you know, to bring it back to, you know, in regards to my, my clients and just, um, you know, offering like, hey, this is what it costs for my coaching services, that kind of scary moments and just yeah. scary you know, if they say no, that means they don't like me or just noticing this part of me come up. And, and it's just been such a, a win-win all around to, to work through. Um, because it's, it's helping, um, go straight to the point of the pain and 
and, and just overcoming it. And then I have a, a powerful message to share with other men who are a few steps behind on, on the path. So, uh, yeah. Wow. So there's so much that came up in that. First of all, I want to acknowledge your vulnerability in sharing a part of your journey that most people are either unaware of is, is true in themselves or are unwilling to be seen in. And that is this deep desire for us to be liked, approved of, validated by others. And I hear you a hundred percent on that because I might be the mirror image of you in that I learned very early on about my sexuality. I was very curious about it from a young age. And then when boys came into the picture, I was curious about that. And then I, I learned very quickly what I needed to do, say, be, act to get that validation from boys, boys at the time, eventually men. Um, and I became a master of that. And there was no scientific thinking behind it, but you just know what works and what doesn't. And I myself had participated in a lot of promiscuous activity, drugs, alcohol, partying. Um, and I you know, may be able to speak for some women, but I saw men out there doing this. And I'm like, well, fuck that. If they can do it, why can't I do it? Why am I the one sitting here and men have no problem sleeping with a bunch of women and not being heartbroken by it. Well, I had to learn my lesson the hard way. Um, but it was all for that needing of approval and validation. And so I'm, you talked, you alluded a little bit to that process for you, but was there a systematic process that you went through during this awakening where you even became more vulnerable with yourself and acknowledged that you had a deep need to be liked and approved of, especially from women. What did that look like? Cause I imagine men that are listening might be experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is just self-awareness. It's, it's having a higher level of self-awareness. And so we could go off on, on so many different avenues on, and what promotes a higher level of self-awareness and more specifically what takes away from a higher level of self-awareness, you know, everything from substances to compulsively working or working out. Um, there's just so many distractions to um, what's actually going on underneath the surface. Um, and I, I, I want to share just preface by saying that I have come to realize that I have a very calm mind compared to most people. I have an ability to really sit with myself and um, it's pleasant for the most part, yeah, more than pleasant. I, um, but there's a whole shadow side to this of lack of productivity and, and sometimes I'm very uh, disengaged from my own emotions because it's kind of a numbness at times. Mm. Um, but with that said, I, I do have an ability, like especially when I got sober, was to really check in with myself. How am I feeling? What do... You know, very sensitive to the world and the people in it. And, and, and so that sensitivity was something that I always repressed because it was so overwhelming. And, mm. and, and, and so my work has about, been about going into that sensitivity and trusting it and being guided by it. And, and so, um, but with that comes some things that um, get uncovered that are not always comfortable. So I, 
I've had to learn to proceed with a, a certain level of safety and in caution, kind of a dipping my toes in the water of, of this. And But throughout this process of increasing my self-awareness and my sensitivity, what started to happen was in any sort of social dynamic um, or being with a partner or, or even just being with myself. And there's, it's like, so part one is like getting really familiar with what equilibrium is, is like we could call it, or just my, my groundedness, kind of this, this normal state that I like to be in. And then I go out and meet the world. Right. Um, and then I notice the little nuances or the deviations from that and what contributes to those. And so to, to really stay on point with what your question is, I'm, I've got really in tune with like the things, the behaviors that I would do and how it would make me feel. Mm. And so I'll never forget when I hooked up with a girl in early sobriety and I basically just ghosted her. And, mm. and this was this behavior pre-sobriety. And she sent me this really long text message that was just very nasty. And, and she was angry, right? Yeah. And, and it hit me in a way that was so intense and like, oh my God, I never want to do this again. Mm. It was like the term, like I, I had an ability to like learn from my mistake. And, and, and so hopefully that little story gives you just a glimpse into what I'm referring to. And, and then to, to, to look at it from the other side of things of um, being in my most recent partnership last year and being able to hold space for her in her anger and, mm -hmm. and just be of service to her in a very powerful way for me to maintain my healthiest sense of masculinity to, to be present with her and her, her emotions. Um, that felt so good. I am in integrity with myself in those moments. Okay. Noted more of that and less of the other shit. And so with you know a thousand other examples in between, but does that speak to what you're saying? Yeah, perfectly. Um, what just came through for me was the distinction between allowing something to be our mirror and projecting out onto something. So this woman for you who sent you this text was a mirror for something for you to see. And it's so important Everything around us can be a mirror. Everything around us can be a teachable moment, a learning opportunity. And without the self-awareness where we tend to go, and this is everyone, I don't care how much self-awareness you have, There, sometimes we have triggers, my, myself included for sure, that we can either choose for something to be a mirror for us and see the reflection and how we can create shifts in our lives, or we can project. And mm. I've, I've done both things and everything in between. And it's just beautiful that you saw that as a learning opportunity to say, Hey, you know what? I don't want to do this again. That didn't feel good. Obviously didn't feel good for her. Doesn't feel good for me. So how do I adjust the course? Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up mirroring because that really speaks to what I'm trying to say. And it's as if for most of my adult life, it's like I've understood logically what that has meant and, you know, oh, everyone's your teacher or 
you know, what are they mirroring back to you? What does that mean about you? You know, what does it look like to not play the victim and to take ownership of how you're showing up? It's like, I understood these things, but it was a game changer for me when I started just really integrating it into how I show up into mm -hmm. where that is my default setting almost to a, <laughs> a fault at times of, because, and this is something that's very, it, it's, it's part of the, what we call the Kool-Aid in early sobriety, just to the, the victim card and the, like the, 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 the blaming and just like mm -hmm. constantly being consumed with other people's dysfunctions and how they're showing up. It's just not going to fly with sobriety. You've got to have an ability to put the spotlight on yourself and focus yeah. on your own side of the street. And so I just like picked that up and just like, was like, wow, this is powerful. Okay. I can create a new life because the world and the people in it can be dysfunctional and I can choose how I want to show up. And this whole integrity thing and listening to my heart and being a good person, um, that feels so much better. And so now looking at people as my mirrors and my teachers, especially the most challenging ones, including my, my mother or my ex as being my greatest teacher, that, that ability to see that and that wisdom that comes from that, you can't get that education anywhere else. Mm. And, and if, you know, with my clients, if, that's the goal. If I can help get them to a place to where they can see that the world is actually working for you, not against you, it changes everything. And that's why I call my work transformational coaching because I've experienced it for myself. Yeah. Yes. I'd say that's arguably one of the most powerful shifts in perspective any of us can make is holding the belief that things are happening for us, not to us, and that we hold the power. We always hold the power to choose how we want to show up. And that's when I remember to hold that belief for myself, it allows me to be the most powerful version of myself. It allows me to listen, to learn, to be vulnerable, to keep my heart open as someone who always strives to embody the divine feminine in everything. And so you mentioned something that really sparked my curiosity just from a practical perspective. But when we talk about an embodiment of the divine masculine, it is this ever presence, this ability to hold space and to be the container. Even when, say, a feminine embodiment is raging and angry, as you had alluded to. I've been in this situation many times myself. And so, what, what remarks do you have on how to show up in integrity as this divine masculine embodiment with the ability to hold space and not have your presence waver no matter what's being thrown at you? Yeah, yeah. Well, to start off, it is just a practice. It, it's, it's practicing. Um, Practicing a new way of showing up. And, and, and so I'm just imagining that, 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 first of all, presence is the playing field. Um, I, so there's, there's, there's many things that I can do in my day-to-day -day life to contribute to more presence and less lack of presence. Uh, having a de devoted meditation practice. Um, living a bit more of a contemplative lifestyle to where I spend more time in nature and in, um, 
and this is just me, this maybe isn't for everybody. I really do ponder my, you know, existence. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. my head just goes there and how I can just be a radiant light in the world and what things are holding me back. And, and so there's, there's, it's a process of throughout my day-to-day life of a place or, um, familiarizing myself with this place of presence. So there's a, a reference point. Okay? Mm. And so that reference point is, is huge. Um, and I'd be a fool to not bring up the power of the breath. So breath is just, it is the lifeline. It is the guiding force throughout everything to hold me in to this reference point of the present moment. Mm. Um, and, and so I remember it was really interesting last year when, um, because this the, the 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 framework of masculine and feminine energies is relatively new to me. It's I'm still very much a student of it. Um, I the, the tantric path has been, I mean, it's been in my sort of uh, in my mind like over the years, like of certain things I've read. But over this past year, it's been um, studying it and learning more about it. And, and so I just want to you know, share that I'm still very much a student, but it was really interesting for me when I was in this certification process and, and some things that we were learning and I understood it logically, but I, I took it to the, the arena, so to speak, AKA the girl that I was dating at the time and was practicing some different things. Um, and to, you know, to really speak to what you're, you're saying is when she would be in her emotional state, very stressed from a day of work or, or just really, you know, in her shit. And, and I did something radically different. I didn't try to fix it. Mm. I I asked her why I checked in with myself that, Oh, I feel triggered right now. It's like, Oh, why do you feel triggered shades? Well, I wish she was acting differently. She's being too much for me and she needs to calm down. I have Mm. 10 solutions that I'd like to give her and she needs to do these. And if she doesn't, she's just creating her own misery. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> women don't work like that. But, <laughs> um, and so I did something radically different um, for the first time ever with a level of consciousness that was, was new for me. I was like, I'm just going to go and, and be really present with her and show my body language was open. My eye contact was there. I was engaged with her. And I asked her, I said, what, how can I be there for you in this moment? Mm-hmm. What do you need from and, and she just hold me and you know, then I would, would hold her. And, and in that moment, it was just like, wow, like I never thought to ask her how I can be there for her because I've been so consumed with my to-do list and what I think she should do to feel better. And this is what I noticed that most men struggle with is they want to fix it. We get this from our mothers. We want to keep our mothers happy. And um, so yeah, I got a little off. I don't know if off topic was that answering your question. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> that that definitely answered it. It's um that those dynamics in polarity between masculine and feminine is something that I've been quite curious about for a long time, and something that I've been studying for a number of years. And it's I can say as a woman receiving a getting to receive someone holding space for me, no matter what comes up for me is one of the greatest gifts I have ever been gifted. Mm -hmm. 
And there's, there's so many interesting cultural and gender dynamics, and I'm sure there are a lot of other things that come into play, but getting to show up exactly as we are, right? So I'll speak from a woman's perspective, getting to show up in our fullness to not be fixed, to not be called too much or too emotional or bitchy or catty or whatever, it, and to have someone see us and hold space for us, that is alchemy. That is healing in and of itself. And there's nothing that needs to be done. There's no solution that needs to be provided. Maybe the solution comes after. But having received that from men in my life, be it a friend, a partner, has allowed me to open my heart. Because you know the, the masculine feminine thing can sometimes be a chicken or egg. Right? Does the does the divine masculine have to show up as divine masculine first for the feminine to open her heart? Or does she need to keep her heart open for the divine masculine to really hold the space? And in my opinion, we both equally have a responsibility to show up as beings with integrity and whatever that looks like for us. And so I've started to ask what that means for me and how I show up because I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a partner that is constantly improving on how he, you know, shows up and is constantly asking and seeking. And I found that I, for some time early in our relationship, allowed him to be the emotional leader, which is, is a great quality of, of the divine masculine. And I started asking, what do I need to do to show up in my divine feminine embodiment. And that meant remaining soft and open-hearted, remaining nurturing when I wanted to harden. And when I had a tendency to go into my masculine, which is, let me fix this. Let me solve it. Let me, let's implement this thing. And so this is as much um, a commentary for feminine and masculine, even outside of gender, but for men and women as well, because so often what we find in, in both men and women is this fear of opening our heart and being vulnerable, which I know is another area of inquiry that you, um, that you ask about, that you study, that you share with your clients and, and in your content. Um, and so this ability to keep our hearts open and to let ourselves be seen and witnessed and held in those that hold space for us, even if that's ourselves, is one of the greatest gifts we can receive. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for everything you just shared. That was really beautiful. And can I share something just to speak to what you Please. were? Please. Um, I've noticed that what I have struggled with most is, is, is when the feminine is very expressive and emotional because um, my mother is... is just very much like that. Where's her heart on her sleeve? And and at a young age, I started seeing how this is all too much for me. And so mm. what I did was I started to shut down and dissociate. And and so I would get triggered by it. And and so that has been my work is because I'm I'm I I link it to a, a wounded masculine that my my woundedness does not go to rage or blame or throwing things or or even being vicious and saying you're too much it just goes into shutdown mode mm-hmm. to where I'm just kind of numb I'm just existing and and it's a very tricky place because it is so comfortable 
It yeah. feels like a home to me, you know? And, and so it's been hard to work with just because it's kind of hard to define. Um, mm. But what my past partner brought to me and all the work that I've done in therapy and some of the, the really deep conversations that I had with my mother, it's about, Shay, I can't feel your heart. Mm. And, and so part of my work has been about, um, it's, like, it's like, sure, I can do the body language thing. I can do the eye contact thing, but there's a numbness about my presence. And, and that has been just so eye-opening to be able to first label it. Yeah, okay, I get triggered when, when, when a woman is, is powerfully in her, her expression of, of emotions. And, um, and so, so, yeah, it's like I'm kind of coming to this point where it's like a tipping point almost like where I'm just kind of peeking through the, the curtains a little bit like, okay, this mm -hmm. seems scary, but I, I'm going to go for it. And um, the, yeah, there's just a reassuring feeling that I'm on the right path with all that. You know, I love that you shared that because we are similar in that way. And I'm, I'm fortunate to have had Ani as a mirror for me because one of my tendencies as well in e expressive emotion or anything that I perceive as disapproval because I too had a huge need to be approved of and liked and anything that I perceived as challenging that I would shut down and become numb. I would close off. I would kind of furl in. And um, Ani gave me a, a great metaphor one time. Have you ever been to New York City? Okay. Well, in New York City, I'm, I'm sure you've seen movies, there are subways. And, you know, people hop on the subway. One of the things that people do almost every subway ride is the subway doors will be closing and someone's running down the stairs and they put their hand in the door and they fight to like keep it open and hop on the subway because they don't want to wait two minutes for the next one to come. So that is how I think about the window of time that I would have before I, the door shut and my heart is offline. And Ani would say to me many times, he's like, I can't feel you right now. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like I'm in my own world. I'm, you know, I'm off duty right now. And that's how it would feel for me. I'd, I would be completely numb. And he's like, all we have to do right now is just be the person who's running down the stairs and just try and keep the subway doors open. That is analogous to like just dipping your toe one step further beyond the edge to keep the heart open long enough to inquire, what's here for me? Or what, what do I need to do for myself right now? What do I need from my partner right now? And something that really helped me even beyond sort of the intellectual inquiry of what do I need? Because in those moments, I mean, I was pre-verbal. It's like, you know, all of how it's been described to me is um, my body would be flooded with chemicals because this was, I was beyond fight or flight. I was in freeze. I would go mm -hmm. into freeze very quickly. And our body is so intelligent that in freeze, um, which is a higher state of activation than fight or flight, um, our body thinks it's going to die. And it will flood us with chemicals so that it goes numb and that we don't have to feel the pain of whatever thing might be waiting for us on the other side. Inevitable death, right? Which in these cases, it's not actual death, but our body is still responding in that way. And so I would go completely numb. 
and I would have no access to, hey, you know what I really need right now for you to hold the space for me and all of the great language that I could speak otherwise. So what I would do in those times is I would have to immediately move my body. I'd have to change my physical state, get up and move, like touch my toes, spread my body out and like physically take up space. Mm -hmm. I would jump up and down and I still do this, um, flutter my lips, shake my head and like really shake things up. Yeah. I've been doing that same practice. And it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And I love the way you use the the freeze example is because I've never, you know, because I do a lot of work uh, with with different embodiment practices and we we talk about the nervous system and how it responds to certain stimuli, but you just really connected a few things for me of like when you said floated, flooded with chemicals that um, are preparing it to not be your body to not be in pain for what's to come next. And I was like, Whoa, that resonates Mm -hmm. really big because um, it's a very, real thing for me and and the 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 confusing thing was for the narrative that i had in my my head around all this was that oh that's presence that means like i'm good i'm free but then i as i started meditating more i noticed the different textures of numbness versus like presence and loving awareness with myself in, in the present moment and and so the discernment between those two has been, it's, it's getting stronger and more of a contrast between the two. Um, and so I'm, I'm going, you know, uh, as I told you earlier, I'm going home to, to be with my family on, on Friday and tomorrow. And my mother is, as I mentioned before, my greatest teacher. And she, <laughs> even just the sound of her voice can, can trigger me into that state. And, and so I'm, preparing for battle in a sense of, of learning to, to invite her into that numbness and to reassure her it's, this is nothing personal. This is just happening to me. Um, but also having a, a courageous ability to set boundaries with her. Like, Hey, mm. you know, can we revisit this conversation a little bit later? Um, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, wow. I mean, parents, partners, are almost always some of our greatest teachers. My mom, greatest teacher, lover, lover. She, uh, she kicks my ass sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I wish you a lot of ease and grace with that journey home and a lot of happiness and joy as well. Thank you. Thank you. So in these last couple minutes here, is there anything that's still on your heart that you'd like to share? Maybe something I didn't ask about something that's, exciting for you or present for you right now? Yeah, sure. This is something that I've been sharing a lot because it's just so relevant. Throughout my own journey of healing and and waking up and trusting my heart more and and then seeing the the pain in others and, and getting invited into their inner worlds I'm starting to see something very clear in the the poisonous nature of this, what I'm about to share. It's this, this, um, we could call it shame towards ourselves. We could call it not being kind to ourselves. Um, But this, I want to really just emphasize the power of unconditional love towards ourselves. Um, I'm just seeing that the, this needs to be the glue that holds everything together because 
when I am speaking to myself in a way that is hard on myself or, or shaming, it is truly like poison. It, 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 mm. I, I firm believer that it contributes to the, the acting out of whether it's promiscuous sex or, you know, viewing pornography that's out of integrity with me or just having like, um, maybe cravings for drugs or alcohol. It, it just, it does so much damage and it makes things so much worse than it needs to be. And so to the viewers out there and the listeners, and for us both to have this reminder of, and I know you know the power of this, it's um, to just continue being very fucking kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like this course needs to be like so rooted in love. Like when we're doing this deep healing work yeah. and like unconditional means unconditional. And that little shift for me of like, um, you know, every day is, is different, but there's been more of a, it's more commonplace in my head. I would say um, the, the love for myself and how I do this deep work. And it's just made such a difference. It makes it makes the work feel not so overwhelming and daunting. I actually feel like I'm making progress and my, my inner world is pleasant to be in. It's not a battlefield like it once was. It's, it's so freeing. Wow. Uh, that just brought a huge smile to my face. Um, <laughs> I am convinced through and through that if there were one thing that we ever looked at for the rest of our lives, and if by looking at that one thing, would have a dramatic impact everywhere else. It is our relationship to self and self-love and that practice. It's, it's totally a practice as we inhabit our lives as humans with analysis and judgment and discernment. Um, and I am so right there with you. It, it can't be underscored enough, underlined, highlighted, bolded, all the things. And it, it can't be said enough. You know, I will... I will always entertain a conversation about that, even if I've had a million conversations about it. <laughs> and so I agree with you a hundred percent there. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, of course. Amazing. So Shay, how can people find you and connect with you, learn more about your work? And do you have any cool offerings or things coming up? Yeah. So my social media that I um, focus on is Instagram. That's the only platform that I use right now. It's my full name, Shea Bolin. So S-H-E-A-B-O-L-A-N-D. And then my website is SheaBolin.com. And my email is Shea at SheaBolin.com. And my website is, is it's not a comprehensive view of who Shea Bolin is necessarily. It's, it's very uh, curated for my one-on-one coaching clients to um, share with them about what my offering is. So my current offering that I'm just most focused and passionate about is the one-on-one dynamic. And so um, I am almost full on clients, but I, I, I would be open to you know a few more. So please check out my website to, to check out that offering. And um, if nothing else, you know, to the viewers out there, let's build some rapport and have a conversation. I love meeting new people. I love to, to just plant the seed of my work in, in others. And, you know, if now isn't the time for us to work together or let's say they, they know someone down the road. Um, I think that just conversations can really um, pay dividends in the future. So 
Um, and then as far as future offerings, I am creating an online course right now, just like every other coach is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this is called Presence is Power. And mm. this isn't going to be so much of a focus on men's work, like uh, masculinity work. It's more of it's going to be for men only just to have that strong, safe container of all men. Um, but it's gonna, there's going to be a, a focus around how we lack presence in our lives, the pain that that caused, how to get more presence, and the gifts that become revealed as a result of that presence uh, for themselves and also for those around them. Um, and so it's going to be eight weeks, and I'm debuting, I'm thinking, mid-July, and I'm very passionate about it. I, I wholeheartedly believe in this. And other than that, I've got a Lululemon event coming up, but that's not till the fall when quarantine is all done. It's going to be a meditation series in person at a yoga studio um, and just kind of building a little bit of framework for some retreats in the future. But, um, but yeah, it's all to, all to come. So please follow me on those on the social media and uh, we'll go from there. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Excited to see what you create and, and how that serves the world. Um, Everything for contacting Shay will be in the show notes. For those of you who are listening and watching, I invite you to follow him. Um, he shares great content and to get in touch with him and further the conversation because it's, it's one that we really need to be having. So wishing all of you much love and good vibes and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you made it this far, it probably means that you enjoyed listening, learned a lot, and are one step closer to deeper intimacy. To help couples like you discover the show and transform their lives, please consider leaving a five-star review and hitting subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. We'd love to hear from you there. If you want to be the first to gain access to exclusive content, practices and tools to create untamed intimacy in your life, join our mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes. You'll receive powerfully curated content that's no bullshit and pure love. And if you want to learn more about creating untamed intimacy in your life, then visit us at untamedintimacy.com. We see you and we appreciate you. Until next time, much love and good vibes.